Welcome to the Bars and Tone radio program, an in-depth look at the news and issues facing a hecta members today. Now here are your hosts, Hal Meeks and BJ Tarian. All right, so here's the deal. Our voiceover person, Megan, recorded a brand new introduction that included you, Brandon, and forgot to save it. Now she is the Harley Davidson intern girl riding across the country on the motorcycles. So we can't get a new intro until she gets back here in in the fall. So you've got me, BJ, and Hal. Hey, Hal, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And Brandon is here. It's the 4th of July week. You have big plans for the 4th of July? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to Bellhaven, North Carolina to watch the 4th of July parade. It's a wonderful slice of Americana. I highly recommend it. For everyone who is in the vicinity of Bellhaven, what's the parade like? Um, pretty much anything that has wheels can go, uh, and that includes <laughs> that includes uh, riding tractors, uh, ATVs, uh, semis. Big uh, wheels? Tractors, yeah, uh, tractors, and uh, just all kinds of stuff. It's pretty awesome. Cool. Enjoy the 4th of July, whatever you're doing for the 4th of July week. Today on the show, we have a great show for us here today. We're going to be talking captioning, uh, all types of captioning, captioning after the fact, captioning for the web, live captioning. Our guests include Daniel Karazik, president of Municipal Captioning, which is a live caption aggregator. We've also got the vice president of product for Rev.com, Mark Chan, will be with us, and John Capabianco, chief marketing officer of Vitech, a leading company in the live caption sector. So let's get right into it. And joining us now is friend of the show, really, uh, Daniel Karazek. He is the founder and president of Municipal Captioning, formerly of Tellview, then Tightrope. Yeah, and right. live you in between. That's yeah. right. You were on the show, I think, for each one of them. <laughs> I think I may have been. <laughs> so, yeah. So, welcome back to the show again. Thank you. And, and talk about municipal captioning. What is uh, the latest thing that you're doing? Yeah, sure. So, um, last year, uh, I was at the AHECTA conference, and I, I met a bunch of folks uh, who were doing closed captioning through uh, Georgia Tech, uh, AMAC, uh, the Accessibility Research, uh, excuse me, sorry. Accessibility uh, Media Research Center, um, and uh, you know, learned what was happening in the world of higher education. That uh, due to ADA lawsuits, um, higher education was closed captioning everything, um, all of the, the video being distributed online, you know, post production wise, but also uh, pushed to closed caption all things that were happening live. Uh, and uh, it made me realize that the, the world of cities and counties, the, the public access, government access, that larger world I've been working with for years, was also going to need to be resolving this issue of uh, providing effective communication to all the citizens through live closed captioning of meetings, sports events, other live events, and then captioning of the other content of broadcasting. So uh, shortly after Hecta, I, I left the job I was at, uh, at, a, at Tightrope, and I started municipal captioning. To, to help these community television organizations, universities, uh, different groups evaluate all the different options that are out there for captioning the content live or or non-live and, and help them project the costs out for, for all the content that they have, compare three or more different options, and then be able to, to buy something that meets their needs. So you don't actually do the captioning itself. That's right, yeah. Um, rather than... Uh, you know, be the person who is serving as a, a human professional captioner when there's uh, many different services that, that provide that or try to launch a new technology product that does it uh, automatically with AI. I'm, I'm aggregating the needs of hundreds of different cities and pulling them together so that we can get better pricing from all okay. the different solutions that are out there and then helping cities uh, combine the different elements, hardware from here, software from there, uh, maybe correction via this interface or correction on their own, correction with a third party, so that they can, um, you know, use the scale that they need and the scale of all the other communities around them to get something that would fit their budget. So why, if I am a company, and you kind of hit on it there mm -hmm. a little bit, but if I'm a company, why would I come to you instead of going directly to the captioning source? Sure, sure. So um, if someone's trying to figure out what they're going to do, uh, the first thing that, that tends to be a problem is trying to figure out three or more different options so that they can get multiple quotes, they can compare and see what the best fit is. So I make it a lot easier for them rather than starting from scratch. I can help them see what all the different combinations, what all the different uh, live hardware solutions look like in terms of if it's a upfront only cost, if it's something that you pay for by the hour. And I can help them project out those costs and see 
and then you know this is a, a field where things are changing really quickly so to presume that you know we can figure out what the perfect solution is right now and that it'll still be the best solution for everybody in six months or a year is really unlikely so by working with me they get to see what all the options are now and then i'm going to keep them abreast of what all the options are as time goes on so if in six months a year year and a half there's a better solution they can easily switch without having to create a whole new contract. And I want to come back to that uh, in a minute because I have a different question, kind sure. of what you're talking about there. But as you know, we're at a university here and we're getting into live captioning. Mm -hmm. What are some of the big obstacles that you see for a university or a smaller municipality and in getting into this live captioning? Because there's one thing if you, I want to go ahead and caption after sure. the fact. Uh, because yeah. there are a lot of uh, opportunities for that. But actually to do the live captioning part, that's another whole mm -hmm. ballgame. Yeah, for sure. So uh, there's a couple elements there. Obviously, you need hardware. You need uh, equipment that's capturing the audio in real time and either feeding it to a human captioner who is being paid by the hour or feeding it into a machine learning or artificial intelligence system that is doing the speech recognition. So you, you have the initial hardware that's sitting there in your broadcast path taking the audio from the meeting or the game. Um, and then you have the, the what I call the engine. That engine could be a human engine. It could be a person who... Uh, is typing furiously on their keyboard and swapping every hour and a half, two hours with another person for a long event. It could be a physical server that sits right next to that encoder, runs the uh, software locally. It could be an engine in the cloud so that uh, you know the audio is going off and then coming back. So those are the two main things. You need to have the, the, the encoder that's putting the closed captions into the signal, and you need to have the quote-unquote engine that's generating those captions. And there's a lot of barriers because people have to figure out how they're going to pay for this, who's going to be doing the work, what's going to be compatible. And it does sound like that is uh, quite, could be quite a bit more expensive than if I was just doing an AI caption after the fact. It, it can be. I will say, though, that there are so many options now that it's actually um, surprising that uh, real-time AI captioning can be less expensive than a lot of the after, effect, uh, after the fact uh, post-production solutions. So traditional uh, live human captioning tends to be over $100 an hour. There are some um, some that are less, but for the most part, $150, $125, sometimes even more is what you pay for, for real-time human captioning. But um, just because there is such a range of artificial intelligence solutions now, uh, they tend to be a fraction of that, and some of them are even a fraction of the more expensive AI solutions. So if I was a small school or mm -hmm. a big school, uh, how would I start this process of trying to research this? Sure. So, I mean, again, this is what I'm, I'm mostly serving folks as, is the, the central research uh, person to help them with it. But if I wanted to give a couple pieces of advice for someone who wanted to do the research on their own, uh, it would be to, to look at the various pieces of equipment, try to figure out the compatibility with the various engines, see what's flexible enough that... If six months or a year from now, uh, the best technology for, for changing audio to text is different, can you still reuse the, the things you've already invested in? Or have you sunk costs into something that you can't reuse in a new way? Or they could come to you. Yeah, of course. It'd <laughs> make it a lot easier, I'd right? be happy to uh, walk them through what the different options are, what their different pricing models are, figure out what's relevant. Okay, one thing I wanted to ask is, yeah, um, is that when you talk about, when you're talking to your clients, mm -hmm. uh, they're primarily focusing on uh, captioning for broadcast? Yeah, so um, a lot of my clients both put their meetings and, and other content on a television channel, a cable television broadcast channel, and they stream it online. You know, they, they have a web stream that can either just be watched in the browser or it can be watched on people's over-the-top devices. So when I talk about broadcast with my customers, it's usually both television and the web. Right. Okay. So do you have these folks doing any post-production captioning as well? or? Sure. So there's, there's both elements, right? So captioning it live doesn't give you um, uh, the corrected version for, for post. So I also have a, a database of solutions that are, are post. Um, they range from ones that uh, are entirely automated and don't have correction to ones that do three layers where you have the AI followed by two levels of human correction. Um, and then there's there's even options that combine live with post, where it generates AI in the real time for, for live captions. Or, I'm sorry, it uses AI to generate captions in real time, and then humans correct it to get uh, perfect or close to perfect post-production quality. So you kind of hit on it a little bit uh, earlier. 
about talking about doing the research and mm -hmm. seeing where we are in six months. Technology is changing so oh, quickly. So look in your crystal ball. Where do you think the market's going? And what do you see coming? Sure. Um, so I went to IBC last fall and NAB this spring. Uh, what I noticed already is a, a, a marked difference was the sheer number of uh, things that were advertising using AI, not just for uh, what I would think of as this first generation of, of transcribing purposes, but also to use AI to, to do screen scraping. I saw products that will feed all the lower thirds in your video, um, or, or even if it's just uh, the name badge in front of the speaker on the desk, it could read that text and incorporate that into your search. Um, I saw a lot of things coming out that incorporated the, the real-time um, speech transcription so that you could do a better job of searching your giant video archive. So I think what we're going to see is um, a lot of secondary services, tertiary services, things that are built for helping people deal with their thousands of hours of video in a more efficient way now that they have, um, you know, searchable text-to-speech or speech-to-text, I'm sorry. I've seen some of those things too. And uh, Final Cut is actually incorporating some of that now, yeah. uh, as well, where they're going out and they're looking at uh, not even with the metadata, but mm -hmm. AI is determining what the metadata should be without yeah. actually having to go in and put that in. Yeah, uh, and then they group it. So I can see that coming down. That's a really good point. So I think it's it's shifting from something that has traditionally always happened after the production. Captioning right. was like the last step. That we're now starting to see tools that are built to be used inside the nonlinear editor, and then they advertise that it can help you with your editing because you can use the transcripts to find your, your the things that people are saying. Some of the tools allow you to trim the text transcript, and then it gives you an edit list for your video. So if we were, uh, you know, importing this podcast and I found the part where I said the wrong phrase, we could just delete that phrase I said incorrectly. And it would stitch the audio together so it didn't sound like I stumbled over myself. It's amazing where it's going. So if we want to find out more about municipal mm -hmm. captioning, where do we go? All right. So uh, we have our website, obviously, uh, municipalcaptioning.com. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. Um, but uh, you can also email me, and it's dank at municipalcaptioning.com. Okay. Daniel Karazik, founder and president of Municipal Captioning. Thanks for joining us here today. Thank you, guys. We're talking with Mark Chen, who's the uh, uh, vice president of product. Is that correct? Yes, for, product, yeah, for for uh, for Rev, um, who provides uh, uh, captioning and uh, transcription services. In what instances are closed captions required? Um, do you have any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean the requirement that closed captions on video comes from like two different sources, two different regulatory bodies. One is the FCC and the other is the ADA. You know, for purposes of, of educational content, uh, it's primarily governed by the ADA, right, American Disabilities Act. Um, and it basically uh, says that you have to accommodate students who might be deaf or hard of hearing. Okay? So if you put any video online, if you're capturing uh, lectures, and placing them, uh, you're making them available online for other students. If you potentially have students uh, who are deaf or hard of hearing, you need to also have those captions, right? Provide alternatives so they can get the same value out of that, that video uh, as hearing students. Um, and the FCC steps in when content is put on television. Anything that goes on, essentially anything that goes on television has to be captured. There are some carve-outs for, you know, if it's like, you know, broadcast between like 2 and 4 a.m. in the morning or something, or if it's in a foreign language, it doesn't have to be captioned. But if you're using public airways, you basically need to have your video captioned. Um, and then, of course, that's sort of become pervasive online as well because the FCC a couple of years ago said that if any content has ever been on television and then put online, that content then needs to be captioned as well, right? So any... TV shows or movies that were broadcast on television and then are now on Netflix, well, that needs to be captioned, right? If you have a, you know, talk show uh, that's played, you know, broadcast at 10.30 p.m. at night, but then you take a five-minute clip of it and put it on Facebook, well, that was on television, that five-minute clip, and so therefore it has to be captioned as well. Um, and so... Basically, anything that uh, you want to be shown to a, a larger audience and, and uh, 
know, be accessible to deaf or hard of hearing uh, uh, people uh, has to be captioned. Okay, so you've you've touched on something here that I think is very important, um, and what you talked about uh, just now is that for content that was originally in broadcast or uh, some other uh, medium, um, that content when it's put online has to be uh, has to be captioned. Um, what about content that is native to an online environment? You know, that was never broadcast or anything like that. Yeah, technically it doesn't have to be captioned. At least the, the FCC has primarily steered clear of it. Like there was um interview a number of months ago, I forget uh, with whom, basically declared that Netflix originals, right, uh, content that Netflix develops from themselves and doesn't put in theaters and only goes on Netflix doesn't have to be captioned. Um, so from a regulatory perspective, you're not required to, to have a caption or from a business uh, standpoint, you know, for, for customer satisfaction, most uh, most broadcasters or most content owners are, are moving that way. Um, I think interesting models for this would be the online education uh, platforms like uh, Craftsy, Pluralsight, uh, Khan Academy, right? uh, Linda.com, all of those sites, you know, I'm not sure how, how familiar you or your listeners are with, with those, but the subscription sites for the most part, uh, where you can go online and learn, right? Further your career, learn uh, personal skills, etc. cetera. Um, and because they charge for it for the most part, uh, customers are looking for, viewers are looking for a better, you know, premium experience. And so therefore you go to those sites and all of their videos are captioned um, because that's what customers are, are looking for. You know, you know, 30% or more of all online video viewers are playing video with uh, captions turned on, right? even though the, the total population uh, of people with hearing difficulties is, is, is uh, somewhere around 6%. Um, a much larger share of, of the audience is actually getting value out of captions. Um, just uh, why is that? Why do you think uh, people are uh, actually using uh, captioning? I think there's a wide variety of, of reasons. Um, one big driver of it is mobile. Um, you know, when you are, you know, mobile, you're, you're listening on headphones, you're on the on the move. Um, so even if you're watching, say, Netflix or, or Amazon Amazon Video, you might be wearing with headphones, possibly low quality. Um, and you want to, to to watch with captions, certainly with other people in the room. You know, some people uh, they may not be considered hard of hearing, but they have, you know less sensitive ears, ears than their, you know, partners. And so they don't want to turn the, the, the volume way up. Sometimes for what I've heard from, from some viewers is, you know, when you're watching a show with accents, right? People are watching, I don't know, Game of Thrones or, or something along those lines. Uh, sometimes you want the caption just so you can understand what's being heard because it's being spoken in a, uh, with a heavy uh, accent. Um, you know, but going back, back to mobile, uh, with Facebook or Instagram sort of auto-roll, um, basically videos starting to play as soon as you scroll through your feed, um, it's much more important to have captions. Um, we heard from a, um, a content owner that, has, that makes heavy use of social that their videos uh, on Facebook uh, are viewed three times as often with captions as without captions. And that's primarily be, because when uh, Facebook implements auto roll, it's, it's automatically muted, right? Your videos play, but there's no sound because, you know, just imagine all the people either on the bus or in their, you know, in their office setting, uh, sort of discreetly scrolling through Facebook and, and watching a video. Um, and so because they play without sound, captions are critical to get your, you know, your content understood. That's a great answer. I think you've touched on some things that talk about why captioning is relevant uh, for people who are even uh, who are not hearing disabled. One question I think that comes up a lot is uh, how are subtitles different than captioning? Do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, I have some thoughts. Unfortunately, it's not really industry standard. Subtitles and captioning, those, those terms get used uh, quite often interchangeably. Uh, for us at Rev, and I think it's it's probably the most common use case in the industry, 
captioning is uh, putting words on screen in the same language that the content is originally recorded in, right? So imagine English video, English content with English words on screen, and that can be, you know, closed or, or, or open uh, forms of it. Whereas subtitles tend to refer to uh, words that are in a different language, right? So movies with English video with French subtitles or vice versa. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk about your company sure. and some things that you do. Um, first of all, what media formats do you accept for captioning? Uh, we essentially accept any non-proprietary video format, right? So uh, MP4, QuickTime, you know, movies, um, Windows media files, even AVIs. Um, essentially, if you can open up in, in any sort of video player like, like VLC, uh, we'll be able to caption it. Uh, on our side, what we do is we transcode it all into a, uh, a standard MP4 format, sort of down uh, uh, with a lower resolution, so it makes it easier to, to move around our system because, you know, some people will, will send us ProRes files that are, you know, gigabytes per, <laughs> per hour or per 10 minutes. Uh, which are just impossible to, to, to move around. Um, uh, so, yeah, we take pretty much anything from the top. So that includes audio file formats like MP3 as well, right? Yes, MP3, uh, Waves, etc. With audio files, it gets a little bit trickier because you do have some uh, audio recorders from like Olympus or Sony that will record into their own uh, formats, which are a little bit more problematic, but yes. Oh, yeah. Like audio video. Yeah, I'm familiar with Olympus. Yeah, they use a weird audio format. Um, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll submit a video. Um, if the files are going to be really large files, what we'll do is we'll basically do uh, submit the MP3, just the audio-only portion of the video. And uh, then afterwards in post, we'll basically take the, uh, the caption content uh, that you provide and marry it back into the video. And that, that works fine. Yeah, that works. That, that works fine, fine for us um, as, as well. Um, I'd say more common is people will create uh, low-res proxies and send those over, over to us because there are some cases where having the video in conjunction with the audio leads to sort of better output. Like you know if somebody is, is off-screen um, and you can uh, refer to that person uh, as, as being off-screen, it helps with speaker tracking a little bit better um, if you do have, have video. But MP3, you know, just audio is, is fine as well. Okay. Yeah, actually, that's a great point. I, that's something I actually hadn't thought about. Uh, let's say I submit a uh, video file to you about, a, a, you know, roughly about an hour long. What would I expect in terms of a turnaround time? We will get an hour-long caption file back to you within two days. That's our guarantee. It's 48 hours. Uh, I'd say what's probably more typical, uh, what you can expect, is about a day. Um, and that time, that turnaround time is highly dependent on, on length, right? Uh, at the end of the day, it takes time to, to go through a video, type it out, synchronize it, and then quality check. Um, and so if you were to send in something that's 30 minutes long, uh, we guarantee 24 hours. And what's more typical is probably like 10. Uh, and if you were to send, you know, we have a lot of, 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 of clients who use us for uh, shorter clips for social media, YouTube, et cetera. Uh, you know, and five-minute videos will get turned around in, in, a, in about an hour. Wow, that's fantastic. What is the minimum cost for uh, captioning? Uh, the minimum cost is just a dollar. We have <laughs> um, our pricing is pretty simple. It's one dollar per minute of content, right? So if you have a 30-minute video that costs $30, if it's an hour, it would cost $60 uh, with a one-minute minimum. If somebody sends us 10 seconds of video, we'll still uh, we'll charge for $1. What an outrage. We have had a lot of people um, ask for, for, for discounts. Uh, but frankly, you know, if people want to, to stitch those together into, you know, five of them and, and provide a minute-long long video, it'll still be, uh, it'll still be a dollar. So it's fine. <laughs>
Yeah, I've told my students about that, that, you know, they can submit their uh, student projects to you guys, and they're typically about three minutes long, and then for $3, they could have, um, you know, captioning for their videos, and they could also have a transcription as well. Right, um, right. That's, I mean, that's great. Um, your, your pricing is wonderful, and it's nice that it's easy to understand. How do you guys handle multiple speakers and, let's say, a video? If you've got, let's say, uh, more, like, let's say, two or three people, how would you? How do you handle that? Yeah, what's, uh, our standard is to um, basically note that there is that it is a different speaker by putting a dash in front of the dialogue block. Um, that is customizable. Um, in other words, some people, some clients don't, like having the dash, they think it distracts from, from the viewing experience, and so we can actually remove it. Uh, in other cases, you can actually add, you know, names as well. Uh, you can have us add, add names. We do all that uh, on the back end anyway, right? So our transcriptors are identifying speakers, noting them as, as, as such already. Um, but if you don't want those, obviously we can relatively easily uh, remove those. Okay. Okay, so um, let's see. I've got some video content that's got uh, very speci specialized terminology in it. Let's say, for instance, uh, medical terminology. Uh, can you guys handle that? Yeah, I'd say for the most part, yes. Um, you know, just to give you a little bit of uh, sort of context for, for, for how we do things, how, how Rev works behind the scenes, right? Um, when a customer provides, uh, uploads a video, places an order. The video goes into our system, as I mentioned before. We do a few things to sort of transcode it and clean up and get it to a, to a format that, that's easy to sort of ingest. Um, then essentially we uh, make it available to our our capture. And it's first come, first serve. Right? They have access to see all the, the, the different projects or jobs that are uh, available at, at any given time and how much essentially they would get paid to, to, to do that work. And they can listen to clips. Um, and so, as you might imagine, what ends up happening is um, the people who are best suited to work on certain content or most excited to, uh, to, to caption a particular project will pick claim those projects first, right? So, somebody who wants to learn about physics or knows about physics is going to be the first person most likely to uh, claim a project, uh, a, a video is a physics lecture uh, or, you know, somebody who has experience doing medical transcription will claim medical uh, jobs first. Because for others, what we expect is that you will do uh, sort of necessary research to look up terms that are, that are new to you. And for somebody who has experience, that's relatively easy. And for somebody who doesn't have that experience, they can do those projects too, but they're still expected to, uh, to look them up. Right or, or to identify things, um, right. so yeah, so we can we can do it within uh, uh, sort of within limits. Um, basically, if if it's a it's an actual word, our transcriptors and captions will will typically find it. What is your accuracy in terms of your tr uh, transcription? Yeah, you know, we guarantee ninety nine percent word level accuracy, so that you know uh, every word. Uh, every audible word is captured properly. Uh, and then as far as uh, sort of time alignment is, is, is concerned, we guarantee down to 100 milliseconds uh, that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start the, uh, the caption group. Uh, you know, the, the, the block of text will appear on screen within 100 milliseconds of when it was actually spoken. That's um, that's fantastic. That's absolutely wonderful because, as you know, for uh, captioning content because of accessibility guidelines, it's very critical that you have a high degree of accuracy. And um, that's actually one of the problems that we see with machine translation is typically the accuracy is not good enough. Yeah, it's very common, um, particularly in the academic world, but, but even, even in broadcast sometimes, uh, well, for, for, for online where the, the requirements are a little bit... Uh, not so stringent in terms of, of accuracy. Uh, people are looking for an automated solution because you know the the cost is is lower. Uh, you know, despite our cost, there are automated solutions that are even lower. Um, 
suppose the accuracy isn't there, right? And particularly in in words that words that matter. Uh, you know, the speech rec systems always seem to be able to get you know words like the and and. It's you know the proper names of companies or or individuals or products, et cetera, uh, that that they don't get correct. Okay, I've got one last question for you, and this has to do with basically a scenario that some people would probably experience. Let's just say that you have someone who has a YouTube video and they want it to they want it to be captioned. Uh, what they what would they actually do to use your service? Yeah, it seems actually it's pretty easy. Although there are two two methods. Uh, the first method is is uh, probably the, the easiest. You just go to rev.com/caption and click get started. Uh, and uh, copy the link over from from YouTube. Like you can go to YouTube to, to to the video that you have, copy the link, and literally paste it into the the, the order form. We will automatically get it, detect the link, uh, and you can add in your credit card and check out. Um, and then you'll get it back. You'll get it back in uh, an SRT format, um, which is a text file that you can then go back to YouTube and, and upload. Um, that's why the easiest to get started. Um, I'd say most of our YouTube customers, particularly those who have ongoing needs and, and manage a channel, um, connect their YouTube account with Rev. So the process is similar. It's just that when you go uh, to rev.com slash captions, you, and you go to place an order, there's an option there to connect your YouTube account. And by clicking that, you basically log into YouTube and, and give Rev authorization to uh, view your uh, channel. And then you get a little sort of file picker with thumbnails of all the videos that you've uploaded to your channel. You can check the box or uncheck the box for any videos you, you want or don't want captioned. Uh, and then you click OK. Uh, then the checkout process is the same. You know, we charge you $1 per, per minute. We automatically detect all the links. But when we're done with the captions, instead of sending you an SRT file, we push those captions back to YouTube on your behalf. Right. So when they're done, you just go into your YouTube uh, your YouTube video, and you'll automatically see uh, the captions appear on your video without having to, to touch it. Okay. Well, you know, Mark, uh, that's it. That's all I've got for you today. Um, Great, I, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Okay. No, no, no problem. Our, our pleasure. I mean, we 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 love talking about video clearly and and, and captions. Um, you know, we're trying to drive down 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 the cost as much as possible so that more people uh, can have access. Uh, you know, to the technology to to, to text on on their on their video. So happy to help. Okay, this I was talking with Mark Chen from uh, Rev, uh, who provides transcription and captioning services. Mark, I really appreciate your time, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you, Al. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bars and Tones podcast. Today we are talking about captioning, and I'm joined by a very special guest, the Chief Marketing Officer of Vitech, John Capobianco. He is joining us today over the phone, and uh it's a big company, the biggest captioning company, accessibility company in the country. You'll see some of their captions if you've been watching the recent Stanley Cup Finals, America's Got Talent, Tonight's Show with Jimmy Fallon, all of things that they caption. They also do conferences, graduations, events, and sports, which will be a little bit more relevant to our listeners here in the education field. John, what else can you tell us about Vitech and what a kind of average day is like. How much stuff are you captioning every single day? <laughs> well, it's uh, sometimes it kind of amazes people. Um, if you just the the volume of captioning we do on a daily basis, we do about five hundred fifty thousand hours of captioning a year. That's a little bit more than a a minute's worth of captioning for every second of every day, twenty four seven. 365. So um, it just kind of, you know, 2 billion seconds of captioning on an annual basis. Um, Just kind of an amazing thought when you think about that it's people that do this, 
um, you know, there are people that are listening to this, whatever the event or the broadcast is, and they are transcribing that into the written word and transmitting that to it could be an event center, it could be a classroom, it could be, uh, you know, the NBC News. Um, and uh, that gets uh, put into the stream. Now, most people think of captions on real time um, on the, uh, you know, the morning news and stuff like that. You can see it. Um, uh, you, or, <laughs> or for a sporting event, if you're in a uh, you know, in a uh, restaurant or an other establishment where it might be kind of noisy, and they they're kind enough to put the the uh, the captions on, so you can actually know what's going on when you can't hear it. Um, so the average day here is a lot of real time, what we call real time, which is the the live broadcasts, and we're captioning those. And again, that's true whether it's a lecture hall or it's a event center and there and there's some baseball game going on for instance um or it's a um, you know major event with a major corporation and the keynote speech is being transmitted um in text as well as um uh, you know th through the um through sound <clears throat> Um, so a lot of people think about that, but there's also a lot of what we call offline, and you might think of as pre-recorded programs. Um, so those files are sent to us as well, um, and you mentioned some of those in the open. Um, you know, a lot of the TV shows and those kinds of things are pre-recorded programs, so they come and then they go to what's called offline, uh, or that's what we call it anyways, and um, they actually make a transcript of what's being said. They then take all that and they time and place that um, verbiage. You'll notice the difference when you see captioning. If there's a lag between what somebody says and the words that are popping up, that's because it's being done real time. It's got to move from the person who's speaking to the captioner's ears. It has to be transcribed. It has to be sent back. And typically in that environment, it's a it's going through a, a bunch of technology like encoders and those kinds of things that cause a little bit of delay. Um, if you see the words coming up, and typically they come up at the time that somebody is speaking, that's a pre-recorded program. And if it's really done properly it's timed and placed. That is, the words are placed near the people that are speaking. If it's done properly, um, which we take great pride in, um, it, you know, they make sure that the captions don't cover anything important on the screen. Um, by the way, those are also FCC standards. Um, and and um, we also include things that can be heard but are not necessarily the speakers. Um, so there's some description of what's going on um, in the, you know, dog barks, clap, uh, music playing. Um, you'll also see if it's being done live captioning, you'll see um, uh, the words to songs that are being sung and, you know, lyrics and those kinds of things. That's also a requirement. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on. We also do up to 50 different languages in our multi-language services. We also do multi, you know, multicasting where we are putting together, you know, the same transmission in both uh, English and Spanish simultaneously. We do that as well. So there's lots of, and by the way, that's done in real time and in, um, uh, you know, in the offline. So. You can get – there's a lot of activity with hundreds and hundreds of people, um, you know, online right now transcribing some audio that's going on and turning it into the written word, um, which benefits lots and lots and lots of people. That's really amazing. What, like, if, in under <clears throat> ideal conditions, what are your live captioners – like, what's their lag time from when they hear it to where they actually type it minus all the encoders, just from their ear to the – to the type well for the for the actual lag that's introduced by the captioner is about a second or two that's really all it is the rest of that time is all technology delays encoders and those kinds of things cause additional delays right. um, but the the captioner themselves is basically um, 
this is what's really strange too. It, it, people and people don't think about this because, and I'm very familiar with that because I've only been in this business for about a year and a half. And before that, I thought the TV did the captioning, <laughs> just like everybody else. <laughs> You know, a normal typist can type it about, you know, fast typist is, does what, 40 to 60 words a minute? Uh, most people talk in normal, casual conversation at about 180 words a minute. The average broadcaster is at about 225 and usually ramps up to about 280 and sometimes higher than that, 280 words a minute. These captioners keep up with that level. Our normal captioners think about you know, a couple of hundred words a minute, 200 words a minute as normal speaking. And that's how fast they transmit or translate this information from the spoken word to the written word. They do that um, in our company. We ma we mandate a minimum of 98% accuracy. Um, and most of our people are well above that. And that's just their normal daily work. And this is what they do all day, every day. And they enjoy it. Uh, you know, I was amazed a year and a half ago when I came to the company and I uh, went out and met uh, many, many, you know, hundreds of captioners because most of them work remotely and they mostly work from home. Um, it's something that's a, a lifestyle business for them that they enjoy. And, and, Beyond the fact that they enjoy their work, they feel great pride in their um, delivery of um, service to the community because, you know, there are 50 million deaf and hard of hearing people um, in the United States alone, and they rely on, um, you know, the captions to be able to not only be included in society, we call that accessibility, but also, more importantly, you know, for disaster preparedness and emergency situations, it's the only way they can get information because, of course, they can't hear it. Um, you can add to that, the you know, there's 83 million millennials, 58 million of them watch videos without sound, according to the projections that we've seen on places like Facebook, where 85% of all videos watch without sound on. Um, that means there's another 58 million millennials that are receiving information um, typically on their mobile, um, you know, handheld um, through videos. And if your video is not captioned, it's meaningless because they can't see anything coming out of it. And what's worse than that is if you let the machines caption it and then you're you're the recipient of the stupid remarks that the machines make <laughs> since they are – you know, generally in the 70% correct stand, you know, um, uh, facility. Anyways, that's kind of what, when we see the ASR engines, most of them don't work all that well. They're fine for some things. I, you know, Siri works, um, but how often does it get a word wrong? And the problem is unless captions are at least 98% accurate, they don't work for people who can't hear. They could be funny, but they're not... You know, by the way, the deaf and hard of hearing don't think that's funny at all. Mm -hmm. um, but having it be highly accurate is not only part of the law, <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's the right thing to do. Right. And we talked about, or you just talked about something I was going to hit on there. You're all taking all your captioning in with human captioning. And we have Correct. this huge AI and computer generated uh, really insurgence of captioning. It's still not there yet, it's still, especially for things that are critical, like health and safety information, tornado warnings, weather information. That you just really can't get to that level anywhere close, right? You have to use the human it's, skill. It's just not accurate enough. Listen, I, I don't throw any cold water on new technologies that are coming along. We, you know, we use some ASR here too because we have voice writers as well as steno captioners. Um, and um, so, you know, they they use interpretive language, but there's a person there. And if something goes wrong, the problem with, you know, the, the automated engines is nobody's monitoring it. So when it makes a mistake, because every word it does is a guess, right? That, that's what it's doing. It's guessing. I think it's this. If they get it wrong, there's nobody there to correct it. The deaf and hard of hearing are, are used to this. Most people who aren't that don't know. But if you're watching captions and you see a dash 
followed by words. That means the word prior to the dash was an error. The dash means I'm correcting the error, and the correction is immediately following that. So the fact that we have captioners associated with this means that even if it's ASR working, we have humans actually overseeing what's going on. When you try to use them without that, listen, they're making great strides, and, and you know we're all proud of the work that's going on in ASR, but it can't caption the way a human can. It doesn't have the human intelligence behind it. Um, that the captioner does. So typically, you see things like synchronous problems. The words are on screen for too, they come too fast or they come too slow. They catch up. The accuracy and completeness is way off. Um, usually, you know, on things like proper nouns and foreign phrases, you can see a lot of times when people are using engines instead of humans. Um, that works pretty well if you can feed it a script, um, like you know, if people are working off of um, you know uh, uh, scripted um, environments. And the problem is, as soon as they go off script, you wind up seeing a bunch of blanks on the screen instead of because the ASR engine doesn't know what they said. So it, speaker accents can cause all kinds of problems with that. So it's. It, there's a lot of the you know the human element when you think of captions you got to think of them as a combination of art and science um the science part can be dealt with but the human part is really important because the recipient is a human and what they're looking for is the human context and the punctuation and all the things that the machines still have problems with uh, maybe someday they'll get to the right spot. I don't think that's going to be in my lifetime, but you know they continue to make that better every day. We believe in human captioning because our job is not just the captions, it's the quality and service that we provide to the industry, not just the words themselves. Absolutely, and that's a big thing here in the education field is making sure that this huge accessibility push that's been going on you know, more and more recently, especially as a lot of things have moved over to digital and technology, just making sure on campus that everybody's included and everybody is able to get the information. Can you tell us a little bit where we can expand this in the education field? Well, when we think about education, we got to think about more than just the accessibility for the deaf and hard of hearing, even though that's the primary mission that we have. Um, we also need to think about English as a second language. We need to think about the benefit of transcriptions that can be available when you do um, captioning for sessions, whether they're training sessions, seminars, uh, lectures, or whatever they are. Think about the fact that if you do um, real-time captioning for a, a, you know, a, for a lecture, let's say, not only do you make sure that words are presented for those who are not necessarily English as a first language, but English as a second language, but everybody has availability of the transcript of that you know, spoken session. Um, that's a great appeal, I believe, to the you know to the educational community because it's it's effectively notes that everybody can use um, to better understand what happened. By the way, that's not um, you know contained only in the education world, even though that's what we're talking about. Corporations find the same things. We see a huge increase in corporations doing um, training sessions and keynote speeches and their seminars and their big meetings. Um, all captioning those things again not only because they're presenting the information in, a, in another view that is not just auditory but um, you know in the written word but they also have the benefit of this of the transcripts that come from all of that which I think is greatly important for the education community absolutely and we're almost out of time here with you today but can you give us uh, some information on how to get into contact with you if someone's interested in reaching out well I I think the best way to contact us and find out more about us is just to go straight to our website. We we take a lot of pride in what we put out there. It's vitac.com, and you can find out all about us. You can contact us. You can get a hold of us there and see all the different things we do and all the different kind of programs that we that we offer in the marketplace. And we're by the way. 
just to make sure everybody knows this, captions, getting captions on your files is A, easy, B, it's quick, and and C, it's not all that expensive when you think about the quality of the and the value you get out of it. So I just want to make sure that everybody knows that. And again, just come see us at buytech.com. We'd uh, love to help you out. Thank you so much for your time, John. It was a very interesting interview, and I think it's going to be a huge benefit to our listeners. Um, Thank you for joining us on this edition of Bars and Tones. Great. Thank you very much. John Capabianco, thanks for joining us here today. Now, Hal, we've heard a lot of things here today, but when it gets right down to it, captioning, it shouldn't be something that is, oh my gosh, I have to go caption this stuff. It should be something that we want to do. Right. So Mark Chen says something really important, which is that captioning is um, something that benefits all of us. We often think of captioning for Section 508 compliance for accessibility and also because of broadcast guidelines. But really, when we're watching a video in a noisy environment and we turn captioning on, then suddenly we're able to follow the video along. My dad, for instance, was hard of hearing. He was functionally um, deaf. I mean, he could follow a conversation, but for him, captioning was a godsend. In fact, he sought out theaters that actually provided uh, captioning equipment, which actually some do. So he could go to a movie theater and actually follow along with the movie along with everyone else. So when we think of captioning, we often think of captioning for a special case, but the reality is captioning is something that impacts all of us. So it's really something that you want to do for your own work, but also you want to be an advocate for other people as well. And, you know, it's becoming easier and easier to do it. I mean, heck, even with just dropping the, the uh, files onto Vimeo or YouTube, Final Cut now, you can uh, caption right in, inside the NLE. And so it's really becoming easier. It's becoming much more commodity uh, for colleges, universities, really everybody to be able to do. Yes, actually, you know, one of the things that you probably would follow from this uh, conversation we've had today is that there are standards in place for doing captioning that are easy to follow, and now you've got multiple paths in terms of being able to get your captioning. You can do captioning yourself for short-form content. Uh, certainly, there are tools now that, like Move Capture and tools like that, that allow you to do it. But if that is a burden, burdensome uh, effort for you, there are, as you've heard, commercial services that can handle captioning for you, and in most cases, fairly reasonable. Uh, the price on the, the uh, captioning in general has come down a whole lot. And again, you know, the technology is there now. Uh, one thing that we always have to keep in mind, though, is uh, machine translation is still not quite there yet. And so while it's, it can be useful for things such as keyword searching and stuff like that, we're not at a point where uh, machine translation is uh, f- good for 100% accuracy. It's still just not quite there. Our thanks to John Capabianco. He was the chief, or he is the chief marketing officer at Vitech, V-I-T-E-C dot com. Mark Chen, Rev dot com. He's the vice president uh, of product at Rev. And Daniel Karazek, the president of Municipal Captioning. You can get to them at municipalcaptioning.com, or you can email him. And it says Dan K at municipalcaption.com, but the way I'm going to remember that is it also spells Dank, D-A-N-K dot com, or D-A-N-K at municipalcaptioning.com. Uh, everybody have a great 4th of July week. Any uh, final thoughts? Uh, I have none other than be sure that you grill and don't burn the hot dogs. All right. For Hal Meeks and Brandon Boucher, I'm BJ Atarian. We will see you next time right here on the Bars and Tone Podcast. <laughs>